welcome to a new episode. I'm sorry if you can hear my fan in the background. Um, I just don't feel like getting up and turning it off, honestly. <laughs> and it's late at night where I feel weird talking without it on anyway, because my apartment building is small and I feel like one of my neighbors might be able to hear me if they're in the hallway and that's weird and creepy, but you know, people are like that sometimes. Anyway, I wanted to talk about an epiphany I had the other day on TikTok, as per usual, it seems. Um, I don't know why this happens, but, but you know the joke how, like, a TikTok algorithm knows you better than you know yourself? I swear to God, one, like, there's a lot of different pieces in, like, my trauma recovery uh, journey. I feel it's very, like, I don't like the word cringy because I don't care about being cringy, but I feel like it's kind of like corny or something to call it a journey, <laughs> to call it a trauma journey. But like, that's the only word I can think of for it. Um, but like, there's a lot of different aspects of it, of different things that I take to like help me out. And somehow the TikTok algorithm showing me videos that force me then to have epiphanies where I then understand things that have happened in my life much better is like an aspect of it that consistently like every week seems to show me something that makes me realize something else that I've that has just always bothered me. And so in the last week or so, I believe um, that happened when it came to helping me understand more like what completely happened with um my last, my former friend group, or especially a friend of mine that had been a friend of mine for a very long time. Um, so one thing that just to like, before I get into all of it, um, one thing that is helpful, I don't know if this is helpful just for me or for and if anyone else is like me, but um, part of being autistic is that we have bottom up thinking, which is the thing that we like feel like we need all of the information first before we can like proceed and like holistic or non-autistic thinking tends to be more where they just tend to do top down thinking where they have an idea of what is happening based on like their own experiences what they think is going on without like doing more research first so like even just when I learned how to like paint and stuff, when I learned how to paint, I bought the supplies and then didn't use them for like two weeks back in like 2019 when I first started because I like had to go on YouTube and find a bunch of um, abstract like paint pouring channels and watch a bunch of their videos because I felt like I needed the information of how to do this stuff before I could actually try it myself. I just like felt like frozen. Um, and so the video that I saw on TikTok was, is almost like that happening. Like I find myself like going back and reanalyzing past friendships that I've had, especially the friendship I had with this person and in this friend group, because they were my friend for a very long time. And it's that bottom up thinking because I'm getting to the point where I feel like soon I'll be able to try to make new friends and that's like a whole journey that I've been that I've been trying to figure out how to get to 
And I feel like I'm getting to the point where I'm close to be able to do that and have those friendships be healthy and not start off in like a not a good place like every other friendship I've ever had in the history of my life pretty much has has been like. Um, And so part of that bottom up thinking is me wanting to go back and look at the past friendships that I had that were very toxic. And try to figure out the things that I don't understand about why they ended up that way or how that happened. So that when I do try to like make new friends, however that does happen for me, I don't end up falling back in the same patterns. Because like once I have something set in my mind that I know that this is why this happened, it's a lot easier for me then to avoid like notice when it's happening again and like back away or just figure out a way around it. Um, so I saw this video on TikTok that was one of those that was talking about like, have you ever had a friend that like just didn't like you? And the rest of the video was, it was funny, but it was somebody telling stories about times when it was obvious that the person was like acting like they're your, their friend, but clearly like felt very competitive with them and didn't really like them and I don't know why but like watching that video just made something click in my head um and realize that the like dynamic that I feel like is very very hard for a lot of people that have been through especially child abuse to get out of is when you have when a friend like somebody becomes your friend because they almost like feel bad for you and they look at you almost like they're doing like an act of charity by befriending you. Um, but you don't realize that. You just think that they're just being your friend and how toxic that dynamic is and then how hard it is, especially when you have like a shitty family to get out of that um, dynamic once it's there. So yeah, I wanted to talk about that because that video, for whatever reason, <laughs> made me realize that that was what was going on with one of my old friends. So just in case anyone hasn't listened to like the other episodes I've done recently of me, I like, I don't, I don't blame you because one of the episodes is almost two hours long of me talk, just going through all of the, like the bullying and all the people that I had as like friends or that seem like friends, but I don't think they really were all that sort of stuff. Um, so a little background is I had a friend, I'm just going to call him by his actual name. Nobody listens to my podcast. <laughs> um, so my friend's name was Brett and he was friends with me from the time I met him when I was nine, when I moved to, um, what I consider to be my hometown um, he moved there too at that age. We both, we met in like the before school program and we were both new students and, um, we got along like really well from the time that we met, but, uh, or at least initially. And so that, so he is the person that I'm talking about. And it wasn't until May of 2020 that I stopped being friends with this person. And 
there was some like up and downs. Like there was a couple years when I was in my early 20s that we stopped talking for about five years or so, I think. Maybe a little bit longer. It was something like that. Um, but it was a very toxic sort of friendship. The It was very, it was, it was really hard for me to, one, so I'm like not saying sentences here, but one of the harshest things for me when I was starting, I don't want to call it a journey, but I don't know what else to call it, but a recovery journey. <sighs> But um, when I was first starting that and cut off my mom and was in the middle of everything, I knew, like, I had, with my bottom-up thinking, I had done a shit ton of, like, research already by that point about trauma and about what it really means and about child abuse and child sexual abuse and all that sort of stuff. So I knew how challenging all of this was going to be for me. I knew that it was going to be really difficult for me to deal with all of this. And so at that time, and so I would, I like told this friend and the other friends that we had in our, you know, our group of friends that I needed them to be around more. I needed them to check up on me more um, than normal because I would need support going through all of this. And and so I, I like really needed them. And it was really extremely, extremely harsh going through that time, having basically none of them actually be there for me, especially when I had kind of been one of the friends that people could go to for help um, and would always offer whatever for help in any way that I possibly could. Like, it just... I was that person. I was like that mom friend and I would just offer things without people even asking when I would see them struggling because that's just how I was. And so it was very hard um, to realize that him and the other friends that we had, that most of them just couldn't do it, even though I asked them to do it for help many times. They just they just emotionally could not do it and it was one of those things that always bothered me is like why like what about our friendship made that so hard for them and impossible for them to do that eventually in 2020 when I felt like I I I, it took me until May of 2020 for me to realize that things weren't right there and to walk away from them but um Part, so, like, what about it is something that always bothered me. Like, what about our dynamic made it so hard for me um, to walk away from them? But And then also, like, what about it made him unable to help me in a time when I was needing the most help? And it was especially confusing because this person works at a mental hospital he actually worked at a different location of the hospital that I went to as part of my outpatient like treatment program so that was weird um and so I would think that somebody with a bachelor's in psychology would know like at least a little bit about how to handle that stuff but he didn't and so the thing that the TikTok video helped me realize is that, like I said before, that 
friendship was never really on equal footing. And it was a situation where it was almost impossible for me to realize what was really going on and to like get away. So because, okay, so I know that the idea of friends, like having a quote unquote friend that isn't really a friend that is competitive is something that a lot of people talk about experiencing, especially when they're in high school and stuff. Um, the thing about this sort of friendship, I feel that is that makes it extremely difficult when you've gone through child abuse to, um, actually notice even what's going on is that the whole friendship, like it's one of those really difficult things because when somebody is becoming friends with someone as almost like an act of charity, like, oh, I see this person that I go to school with. They seem nice enough. They seem okay. And I can tell that they're struggling because they don't have any friends and everyone else makes fun of them. But they seem like a nice person and I don't like seeing them go through this. So I want to be, I want to help them out. So I offer, offer to be their friend and as like something nice to do like that's not necessarily like the worst thing that a person could ever do and that's definitely what was going on between me and with Brett and I being friends when I was in particularly when I was in middle school which is when our friendship really started like yeah we were friends when we met when I was like nine in fourth grade and all that but um I, I guess I'll count fifth grade as part of our middle school, even though it's technically not, because it's the same kind of people were in my class. It's just, I was, like I said in that other episode, I was very unpopular. I was teased and bullied all the time. I was probably the most unpopular person in my grade, one of them anyway. And um, it's the same kind of shit, you know, when you're being abused a lot, especially at home, and then you add on the fact that your parents are poor. And then you add on the fact that I was being sexually abused. So I didn't want to do hygiene. I didn't want to brush my teeth. I didn't want to take a shower. I didn't like fashion or anything like that. Um, it made me a very easy. And then also being um, like fat um, through all that time, especially when the t years when I was in middle school was in the nineties was all just like an amalgamation of me being one of the most like unpopular people in my grade. And so, um, Brett and I starting off as friends seemed okay at first, but, um, there's always this weird back and forth dynamic where he would, hang out with me at school and we would be really good friends at school. And when we were first like friends in like fourth grade and, um, and like fifth grade, some, we would like see each other when we were like trick or treating in, in around town, but we never saw each other outside of school. We like never hung out in person outside of school until I was like, until like the, like my freshman year of high school <laughs> when, and like by then we had been friends, like quote unquote friends for like five years by that point. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it, it, it might've been even longer, honestly. Cause I can't remember when I started hanging out with him in person with like other friends and stuff. <laughs> it was a while. Anyway, that's all I'm trying to say is that it was a while. So 
the thing about that dynamic, though, is that when he was being nice to me and he was being my friend and talking to me at school and would like partner up with me when nobody else wanted to talk to me and would sit with me at lunch. He would like, we would hang out in gym class. That was one of the classes we had together in seventh grade. And in eighth grade, he was in a bunch of my classes and we would, we would like work together all the time and he would hang out with me and it would be like a known thing with the other people that we are in school with that he was friends with me. Everyone could clearly see that he was friends with me, even just at school. And that was a statement. Like when you're, um, whether people like it or not, when you're one of the most unpopular kids at school, when somebody is like befriending you, it's like everyone else notices when like, oh, so-and-so has like, you're like friends with this person. And so it was always kind of that weird dynamic of, even back then of knowing that he was my friend, he was the only friend really that I had then um, at school. And, and, he, and, but even then I like, it was always a little bit like weird. Like it almost seemed like he was trying to figure me out and didn't know like what to do or didn't know because I was probably acting differently than most people do at that age because I was very different than everyone else because of what I, I was already going through at home. I was more like an adult than someone my own age. And um, like, for example, like when I was in seventh grade, I remember he had this other friend that was a girl and um, there, and I remember that she came up to him, came up to me and told me that, um, that her and, and him started dating and I was really excited for them and really happy for them and was, and was like glad that they were, you know, dating and that they were happy together and all that sort of stuff. And I was being like authentic and like honest when I reacted that way. And, um, and like afterwards it was like when I said that it was very obvious that her and him were like watching my reaction and then afterwards walked away to talk about it and they weren't actually dating from what I remember, they weren't dating, but they were asking, they were telling me that they were to see how I would respond almost. And, um, and I remember even when I was like a freshman in high school and like Brett and I started and I made friends with other people that I met from him and we were friends and we're starting to like want to hang out outside of school and stuff. I still remember even my freshman year of high school that there were times when him and that other girl, they would talk about how they hated fat people and that, but they're like, oh, but like, then why do we like hanging out with Shannon? And the other girl was like, would say like, oh, I mean, like, like really, really fat people. Shannon's fine. She's just normal. And I was just like, okay, that kind of talk was like normal during that, during like two, 1999, 2000, <laughs> but it's like just like a weird thing that they would talk about something like that, like openly in person in front of me, like Brett sitting there in front of me, like questioning why him and this other girl that he's like that he was better friends with than me with than with me would be friends with me when I'm usually someone he thought they would usually be annoyed by. Um, and so like, 
the whole thing of him, like, t- them, like, testing me to see, like, how I would react if I, if they told me that Brett was, like, dating someone, um, that wasn't anything, like, new. Like, people always thought that I had a crush on him or vice versa or both the whole time that we were friends in, like, high school and stuff before people started, um, thinking that he was gay and he was gay, but still, like, um, or is gay. He still is. Um, but that was not something like abnormal necessarily that people did. Like whenever there's a guy and a girl that are friends, people just kind of automatically assume that one has a crush on the other one or something like that. Um, especially when you're in middle school. Uh, but the thing that people didn't understand or that especially he didn't understand back then that a lot of people I I feel don't necessarily understand unless they're someone who's also experienced having an abusive ass piece of shit family is that the reason why I feel people thought that maybe they thought that I would be jealous if they were, if he was dating somebody else is because like when you have nobody, when you have no friends and you're like used to just going through life in school without really anybody around. When you find someone that is willing to be nice to you, that is willing to hang out with you, even though other kids at school say like mean comments to me all the time. And I know that them being seen with me is almost like them taking like a hit to like their like social standing at school. When you have somebody like that in your life, especially when you have, like I said, abusive parents. So like school is like the only break you get from being away from home and being away from your parents. And so when you find someone that is being really nice to you and seems to like you for you and is saying like nice things to you instead of saying mean things like all the kids who bully you say and how and like what your parents say, you are like dedicated to them for like life because you're just like, you like helped me when I felt like I had nothing. You helped me, like you said nice things about me when nobody thought anything nice about me. And it makes this very, and especially when it's in a situation like it was with Brett and other, and and I know that other people have experienced this too, is that when the person is like offering you friendship because they feel like, Oh, this is a good thing for me to do. This is nice for me to do. That means they're not actually necessarily offering you friendship purely because they think you're a nice person. They're off like it's not like an organic thing. Like usually how friendships work is like you just meet someone, you hang out with someone and you just realize that you get along that you have the same like sense of humor or you have similar life experiences or you just have like similar opinions on things or the opposite. Even if you have totally polar opposite opinions on things and very different personalities, you're, you guys just jive well, your energy just like matches well. And you like being around that person. They make you laugh. They make you feel good, whatever it is. And so because you like that person and you like hanging out with them and talking to them, you want to do it more because it's nice, it's fun, and it makes you feel good. That's usually how friendships are. But with friendships like this, it's already starting off in a toxic or like un- like 
not a good place because one person is starting this friendship based on the premise of, oh, I don't, I'm not even sure this person seems okay, but it's not necessarily that I think they're a cool person that I want to be friends with. It's a situation of if I am nice to this person that doesn't have anybody else and is being like actively ostracized by like everyone else around me, they're never going to like, they're never going to, you know, possibly challenge me or hurt me. That's like the number one thing. And like the thing about these dynamics that are so messed up is that like me as the person who is being bullied and ostracized and all that, I don't know that. <laughs> like, I don't know that this person is offering friendship to me as almost like a piece of charity of I'm trying to do this nice thing to you because I'm such a nice person. Like that sort of idea. I don't know that they're doing that. I think that this person, you know, wants to get to know me, wants to be my friend because of me, because I'm a nice person to talk to. And because I don't have any, and it's one of those ironic things that because I don't have anybody else, because my family is horrific and because nobody else at school is really nice to me, I, I like don't take seriously the little like things that I noticed during those years that told me that this person didn't really care about me as much as I thought or whatever, because it was like, this is the only person I have that is being nice to me. And so even though there's times where they seem to like be making fun of me to my face, even though there's times where they're like, you know, asking me things that don't make sense, like acting like they're dating someone they're not to see how I respond, even though there's like this other person that they're better friends with for a while that I'm clearly not as important to them as they are as, and they are more like, they're more important to me than I am to them. Um, I'm still like, not seeing any of those faults and not recognizing the fact that this friendship isn't exactly what I want it to be because I just want someone to be nice to me and I want a friend. And so I'm not going to like second guess any of that. And I just going to like want it to be the best case scenario that it can be. And because, and it's one of those weird things where because that person is being nice to me during a time in my life when nobody else is, and I don't want to see any of the signs or remember the things about them that weren't nice. And I especially don't take that stuff as seriously because I all I get is people telling me that I'm, you know, garbage for one reason or another. Um, I feel like I'm like, I, I put like all this importance on this friendship with this person and put them up on a on a pedestal because they're some of the only positive memories that I have from a time in my life that was really messed up. And I don't see them clearly as the person that they actually were and the friendship that we actually had. Because I just, I just can't, because I can't see it because I, because they, because they were such a positive light during a very bad time that I just refused to see it. And the thing that about this dynamic that I think is like the most toxic is that if the other person that is like 
wanting to be friends with you as like almost like a piece of charity if they never end the friendship for one reason or another you will ne- you will take forever to realize what is wrong and before you will ever leave that friendship like it will go on forever and ever and possibly forever and ever without it ever ending and it never getting out of that like toxic competitive place because you just can't see you don't want to see and you can't see because you don't realize that you don't even realize that the beginning premise of your friendship was not true and was off from the start and it until apparently you do like four years of therapy and are able to like look at things more objectively do you ever even notice like that from the beginning things weren't right and that this person was never like as good or of a friend as you thought they really were. Um, yeah, that that's a lot to say, but it's true. And because like looking at like a friendship like that, like looking at it from their perspective as someone like, it's never a bad thing to do something nice to, for someone who you can clearly see is struggling and is being bullied a lot and it's just like the hardest thing when you're the kid that is being bullied to that point is that you know how obvious it is like you know that you're like the shining like beacon at school it's easy for people to make fun of you because everyone makes fun of you so it's kind of like this automatic thing that if people make fun of you then they're like almost like in with the rest of the crowd And you know that you stand out in the worst possible way where like I used to like go and hide in the bathroom during lunch a lot because I didn't want to be sitting by myself because I because people that I went to school with would just come up to me and just like have conversations with me where they're basically making fun of me to my face all the time because they thought it was it's like that thing of like, oh, you're the girl that doesn't have any friends. You never have any friends because nobody likes you. And so they would just come up to me just to mess with me. And so it's this horrible thing of um, when you're in that place, it makes sense for someone to want to come in and help you. But it's also a very kind of like, it is kind of a manipulative thing. And also just, it's manipulative in that way where when you're doing it, I'm very sure that they don't realize that that's what they're doing. But the main thing with this friend that I'm talking about is that the main like kind of theme that I've mentioned of why our friendship really fell apart completely in the end was that he was never really able to be like emotionally available or like mature, not mature, but like vulnerable like put himself out there in a real way like there were times when he did but most but most of the time he he couldn't do it like when I'm sitting there telling him like what I'm remembering about like abuse and what my what my what's going on in my family and I tell him you are very important to me and I need you to be around more in my life because I need help and support and he just like couldn't do it like that is like the best indication that he just was not capable of doing that so like if you're if you have a hard time and like 
when I look at people like this, like people who make friends because they because they feel bad for them in a way and they know that that person the thing about this dynamic that is why I said it was manipulative is that the people that are making friends with you and you're the one that doesn't have anybody they know even before they ever talk to you or approach you that you are never going to turn them down that you are not going to be like no I don't want to hang out with you no let's not be friends and that immediately puts it in this precarious position where they know how, like, they know from the start how important they're going to be for you, that they know that you're going to, they're going to, like, idolize you, they're going to love you, they're going to um want to spend all their time with you, they're going to be just, like, grateful for you, and that just means that they know that they can likely get away with doing insane shit that they probably normally wouldn't say to other friends. Like, for instance, acting like you're dating somebody you're friends with to see how they would respond. Because they know that there's basically almost nothing that they can say or do to you that would make you stop talking to them. Like, the threshold they already know from the beginning is going to be, like, super-duper high before you would ever do something like that because... Um, because they already know that you don't have anybody else. And so, um, when you add that part in, it's like, it's a very like emotionally, it's like no risk. Like there's hardly any risk involved when you seek out friends that you think you're better than because, and like, and especially if they're like friends that aren't necessarily like, oh, this person is really cool and really funny and really great. And I just want to spend all my time with them when it's more of a situation of, oh, this person doesn't really have any other friends and they seem nice enough, but they, but they clearly like don't have like a place yet and are like struggling to fit in. I can be like their hero and I can become friends with them and they'll like never want to stop talking to me and they'll be dedicated towards me. And, and it's a way when you don't have that emotional availability to still find people to hang out with because the other people then like, they'll never, you'll never feel challenged because you won't, even if that friendship doesn't work out, you won't feel as hurt as you normally would feel if it was somebody else that you really liked and really cared about because you don't have like the same like emotional attachment to that person that they ha we have towards them as they do towards us. It's just not the same. Uh, when, when you're like becoming friends with someone because you basically feel bad for them in a way, it's just not the same as when you're the one who doesn't have anybody. It's not at all. And so like even if the friendship doesn't work out, they probably feel like they'll still be fine. Because, um, because they're not the one like putting themselves out there. The other person is. And yeah. And so it's a very like kind of, it's a way to get around. Like if you know that you, if you don't want to put yourself out there like emotionally with somebody and really bond with someone that you actually care about, um, that you think is really cool and all that, you can instead like, just become friends with people that you feel like you are superior of. And it's like that weird, like competitiveness 
of wanting to feel like you're better than everyone around you. And the weird and like, not weird, but when you're the person that is like befriending all of these people that otherwise are kind of like misfits and don't really fit in anywhere. It's like just a nonstop like ego hit all the time being friends with them because they're always going to be like very dedicated towards you and love you and say like really great things about you and to you. Um, and that's like the reason why I feel like the friendship I had with this person and friendships like this in general will go on for decades if the other person just decides that they're over the friendship and don't want to talk to you anymore. If that, if they don't leave, they will go, it could possibly go on forever because they're always going to get like these ego hits by you always being like dedicated towards them. They're going to continue to like almost use you as a way to feel better about their own life. And that's like a lot of what was going on between me and this and Brett and this friend. Um, and it's a really, it's the thing about this that is weird for me to think about is that like, um, his life was obviously like, obviously and clearly much better than mine. <laughs> like it just was. And so like, like from the time that I met him, things with my parents was god awful. The years that I knew him when I first met him in like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade was when things were the absolute fucking worst. And, but like the entire time I knew him when we were growing up, I like it was very evident that like my parents sucked. My dad and I, I hated my dad. And my mom and I were whatever. My sister and I were always fighting. I never had like, like clothes necessarily. Like I had clothes, but a lot of the time they didn't really fit right. Like they were either like too big or too small. They were never like fashionable things. I never had any money. Um, my, my parents, like my mom never had like a lot of food in the house. So I was hungry a lot. Um, I like, like my dad would come around sometimes. I would never want to be at home. There's just so many things that was obviously completely just wrong and awful in my life that this per that he knew about. And so it's, it's really strange for me to reconcile the fact that he was still felt like he had to be competitive with me at all when it was obvious in every possible way that his life was better than mine. Like, even though his parents were divorced, like his mom and dad both got remarried to new people. His mom and his stepdad were like a good relationship. His mom would like make him dinner every day. And just like all of his basic, you know, good needs were met. Like they would go on vacations together. He always had enough food. He didn't have to move every couple years. He never moved at all, actually. He had, like, other friends besides me that he had friends with. He was good at school. He knew how to study. He had good grades. Um, his, like, mom had money in the stock market, and he didn't, and she didn't lose it all when, like, the stock market crashed. And so he was able to, like, pay for all of his college without having to take out any loans. 
there's just, and like when we were in high school, he was able to like save all the money he got at our part-time job and buy a new car and all that because he made, he was able to save all of that money because his mom wasn't stealing money from him like my mom was and um, just so many things. And so it's so weird then knowing all of this to remember the times when I would like, like I remember there was one time when we were going to before we would get to school when I was a senior, he would come and pick me up and then take me to school every morning. And I remember there was one morning when we were walking around when we first got to school and he was asking me, like, who do you think out of our group of friends is the smartest? And I was like, I don't know. And like, I didn't know what to say. Um, and he made sure to say that he thought that he, him and another friend of ours was smarter than me, but he made sure to say that he thought that he was smarter than me. And like, I am not stupid. I know, I somewhat knew, I knew that then that was weird, but I also had like negative self-esteem. So I legitimately thought that he was definitely smarter than me, even though it hurt when he said that. And I wanted to be able to argue with him, but I didn't, but I was like, there's nothing that I can think of that would like justify arguing with him just because my feelings are hurt. But like me now, I can look at that and see that like, that is a very insecure thing to do. Like the entire, like so much of our friendship then, especially leading up through high school, there's a lot of like weird insecurities that he would like show because it's like you know that my life is shit you know how shitty my life is so like why are you going out of your way to say that you think that you're better than me when I already think that you are like why is that even like necessary to bring up it's so weird and like there are a lot of like good memories with this friend from when I was like the last couple years of high school and the first few years after and like None of this stuff is going to, like, you know, completely sully those memories completely. But it's just this weird thing that, like, that dynamic was essentially, like, he chose friends that he thought would never, would that wouldn't disagree with him, that wouldn't challenge him on anything, and would let him kind of be the one in charge. And that was essentially, like, his dynamic. Like, the group of friends we had... Like, we were all very much, like, the misfits that, like, didn't really fit in anywhere, that didn't really have any other friends at school or anything like that, and and were kind of, like, the weird, like, nerdy, geeky people that didn't have anybody except for him. He had other friends at, he had, like, other acquaintances at school. He got along with other people from the time that I knew him, and he definitely fit in a lot better than the rest of us did. But, like, granted, he still got, like, teased some because people thought that he was gay before he was ready to come out. But, like, he fit in a lot better than the rest of us did. But, like, he, I think, saw a better... He liked the idea of having friends that he knew he was, he felt, like, above and better than. And having those people around and being, like... um and being able to kind of, you know, do whatever he wanted and be in charge and be the one, like, making all of the plans and doing all the things and being, like, the alpha almost of the friend group, then if he would have, you know, been friends, tried to be friends with other people that he probably liked better, 
but would have like, you know, challenged him more and would have made him feel more like it would have been more dangerous for him because he would have been actually putting himself out there. And so he didn't want to do that. So this was the way for him to handle it. And it's just like, it's very weird to think about because there's some things that he did through the years that I thought were things that meant that he still cared about me. But when I look at it now, I'm like, no, like you just, the, you just wanted that continued like ego hit of, sorry, that was ego hit. (laughs) My voice like weirdly broke out then. He just wanted the ego hit to see that he was still like doing better than someone else. Essentially, that's what it was. Um, I say all of this, I honestly think that video helped me figure this out because um, one of the things between me and Brett that like made our friendship get weird when everything started happening and I went to therapy and all that is that like I started just wanting like actually giving my opinion on things and like not just doing things because he wanted me to do it and it was the things that I was wanting that I was saying that about were like very small things but like it was like but the way that he reacted was like it was like to me at the time it didn't make sense but like knowing what I realized about our dynamic now it makes more sense that he reacted that way about them like um I'm thinking mostly about like my uh my birthday which is a month before his and um every year usually on my birthday I would always ask him what are you going to do for your birthday and he would usually have an idea and then set up like the plans right afterwards so like my birthday in 2019 we went to like an escape room and um And then we went out to eat at a place afterwards. And so me and another friend in our friend group had become a lot better friends in the couple months after I went to therapy, I started going to therapy and everything happened purely because she was actually like around and was like willing to hang out with me. That's literally all it was. That's like one of the things that I think is funny about this dynamic with him is that like when I went, when I told him and this other friend that about what was going on, the memories that I had, that I had never told them about, about my parents and what was really happening and that I was cutting my mom and that I had cut my mom out of my life and was trying to deal with all of this now in therapy and all this stuff. I told the two of them at the same time that I would need more help, that I would need people to be around more like before you know, when you're friends, when you're an adult, especially when you have friends for a long time, like that friend group was, this other friend that I was, that I got close to was actually the newest person in that friend group that I had only known for a couple years. But when you have friends, when you're an adult, you go a couple months sometimes without seeing each other or talking sometimes just because you get wrapped up in your own shit. And then like, you know, something comes up like plans you do every year and you like plan to see each other again. Um, and it's fine that those months go by. Like when I was in that friend group, we used to see each other a lot in like the summer and in the fall. Um, because, you know, there's a lot of things happening in the state that I live in during those months where we can like go and hang out. 
and meet up somewhere. The winter months were always the months where we didn't see each other as much just because it's winter and it's, it's like snows here a lot and which makes it harder to like drive and meet people and meet up at places and, and, um, you know, if you don't want to be outside because it's really cold. And so it's easier to just kind of, um, wait till it starts getting warmer to hang out again. But like, I, made a point to tell them like I need you to check up on me more often than now than before because I'm going through a lot and I'm gonna need that like support and so this other friend like responded like I remember like the day that I said that she texted me as soon as I got home and was like asking if I was okay and how I was and how I felt about things and so we started like texting back and forth and then calling back and forth and she would come in like pick me up and we would run errands together and it and then it just became part of my routine that every Friday we would meet up somewhere and have dinner we would go and to like Michael's and buy like whatever crafty things because she was also artistic and was interested in that stuff and um or just like do whatever we would sometimes get together again on like a Saturday and we would run errands together we would go to the Humane Society and pet cats because it made us feel nice. We would go like go grocery shopping. We would go to Walmart, Target, just like the normal adult things that we, she would like take me to like the, like places like Goodwill and stuff to buy clothes because I needed clothes then, but I had no money. So the only way I could get new clothes was to get them from like thrift stores. And she would drive me around to a bunch of thrift stores so I could try to find something in plus size that I could wear, which is always a challenge. Um, it wasn't anything huge that she was doing, but like she was there. Like I said, I needed help and needed people to be around and check up on me more. And she was doing that. And so um, I think that Brett didn't like that we were getting along better because um, he was that person for me. And now she was doing things in that role instead. Um, and then so when we so the restaurant we were going to. They have like something on their menu where they have like, it's a very Wisconsin thing, which is where I live to, to get Bloody Marys. And then they put like all this stuff on top of it, like a whole ass, like almost meal. They'll put like burgers, like cheese curds, like, um, jerky, like beef jerky sticks, a bunch of like olives, a bunch of stuff on top of the drink. So like the drink will be a bunch of money, but when you're buying it, you're basically buying drinks and food together. And so before we went to this restaurant, um, we probably met up for my birthday. Like Brett was like talking to me on Facebook and he was like, we should, instead of getting food when we're there, we should just like order a couple of those drinks and then just like split the food that we get from the drinks. And that would be like more fun. And like, I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to drink. And I, and like the place that we are going to was a place that was well known for having really good burgers, which is why I wanted to go was to try their burgers. And so I just said like diplomatically, like, you know, that's one option. I'll like, see, I'll ask people how, what they want to do. And then we can talk about it on the day. And that's like a very like good like way of of like not saying no because I don't want to make him upset but also just not agreeing but like every other time in our friendship I would just do whatever he said 
I would just go with whatever he said to the point where I would do things sometimes I didn't even want to do because he wanted me to do it. <laughs> um, or he wanted to do it and I would just go along with whatever he said and did. And so then the day of my birthday, when we go to this restaurant, he like just assumes that because he brought it up to me that this is what we would do. And then we didn't. And when I was at the restaurant, he like brought it and he was like, oh, aren't we doing this? And I was like, I don't know. I don't really want to do that. I, and I said, like, I want to get like an actual like burger because that's what they're known for. That's what I want to try. Like if everyone else wants to just order the drinks, that's fine. But I just don't want to do that. And like nobody else really wanted to get the drinks either because most of the people that I was friends with at that time just don't like drinking that much. And he still got his, like, drink, but was, like, obviously, like, very annoyed by that. And, like, after we left dinner that day, we, like, went to, we were, like, oh, we could go to a Dairy Queen and get, like, uh, treats of pizza. Because that's, like, one of my favorite, like, um, like, nostalgic, like, dessert things from growing up. And he was, like, no, I'm not going. I'm going home. And it was, like, okay. And then... Um, his birthday was a month later and that was the birthday when he refused to tell me if he was planning anything for it. And this was when I was still unemployed. And then all of a sudden, like three days before his birthday announced all of these plans that he was doing that was, that would cost a bunch of money. So I couldn't go to any of them. And when I told him that I couldn't go, um, after asking him a million times if he was planning anything, he said that it was my fault because I didn't, because I didn't know how to plan things correctly. And I was like, are you, I remember writing like on Facebook, like in messages, like, are you fucking serious? Like you didn't, I've been telling you all this time that I can't go to anything un unless you tell me about it weeks in advance so that I can try to do DoorDash delivery driving. So that was the only way I was making any money at that time to try to get money together to go. And you didn't say anything all these weeks until the last second it was it was just so obvious that he was like doing that as like a weird test of like let's see who really cares about me and people know when my birthday is and they should know to come so I'm not going to announce anything about my birthday even though I usually announce everything like a month in advance because I'm a very type a like planned personality and not and wait until like three days before and yeah like hardly anybody came because people have lives and jobs and they and their lives do not revolve around you. If you don't take the time to, like, say that you're doing anything for your birthday, people aren't going to be able to just drop everything right before and go. Um, and, like, I was mad at him for, like, months after that. But when I think about that stuff, it makes more sense when I consider, like, how our friendship dynamic really was, that he was kind of he was always kind of looking at me as like lesser than him. And that was kind of the basis of what our friendship was actually based on. So, um, and so like then when I started like choosing to hang out with somebody else, when I was like wanting actually saying my opinion on things instead of just going with whatever he said, the dynamic between us was like shifting and changing and he no longer was like this important as important as he used to be in my life. And he didn't like that because now I'm like standing up for myself. Now I'm giving my actual opinion on things. Now I'm better friends with somebody else than I am with him because he's isn't able to be there for me 
And I'm not, and so I'm not as easy as like a nice ego hit for him as it was before, because even though my, and especially when it's considering like, even though my life is even more of a mess at that time than it was before, I'm still like doing all these things and figuring things out that, and like, you know, working on myself and figuring out how to have feelings and all this sort of stuff that he had never been able to do even though my life was a mess and his literal job was working with people on their mental health. Um, so like one thing that I said before, like I said before that he acted like that I thought meant that he actually cared about me. But I realized now that it was just more of like almost wanting that, knowledge still of oh I'm still doing better than her so everything is good still with me um was when when I was like 20 21 we stopped being friends for like five years or so um because of like there's a lot of shit that was going on with friends that we had and considering like our dynamic it's a lot easier for me to realize like why he, he stopped talking to me during those years because it's like, even if he cared about me, then like, he was kind of looking at me always in that way of like, he was better off than me. So it would, at that point, I think he thought that it would be better and easier to just not be friends with me because the situation, it's one of those things like, yeah, he knows that he's better off than me, but the friendship situation we had was a whole ass mess. And it was like, I don't want to deal with this shit anymore. It's, it's like too dramatic. So I'll just, I'll just take myself out of it, which is essentially what he did. Um, but like one thing that was, and it was really hard for me during those years because I really missed him as my friend. I felt like he was someone who knew me the best and he turned his back on me and I didn't understand. And I, of course, because of all the abuse and stuff I dealt with, and was still actively dealing with in one way or another at that time was just always thinking like, what did I do wrong? Like, what did I, did I do something wrong? I would always go back and forth between thinking that being like mad at him and then, and, but like then going back to being like, no, but I just really miss him. And I was just like flop back and forth between those two sides all the time. Um, and so one thing that he would do during those years is that, my mom worked at a grocery store in our hometown as like a part-time job forever. Like she didn't stop working there until like 20, like 13 or something like that. And this was before then. Um, and so she would tell me how he would come in to her grocery store job. And like, she, he definitely, like she worked there all the way through like my high school year. So he definitely knew that she worked there still. And he would come in to see her and basically like tell her about what was going on in his life and what he was doing, where he was working, stuff like that. Um, and then she would tell him like what was going on with me and in my life. And, um, and it was like, and at the time I thought that he was doing that to like, as like a roundabout way to keep tabs on me so that in a way of like, yeah, we're not friends now, but maybe we'll, we will be one day in the future. Like I, I, 
never completely lost hope during those years that we would end up being friends again because he was doing that. And so even though we weren't talking, we still kind of had a general idea of what each other's life was like during those years because he was doing that because he was making the time to like go talk to my mom. So that made me think that he still, you know, wanted to be friends with me. Um, and like then when I stopped being friends with someone that he didn't like, which is part of the reason why our friendship didn't work, like stopped for those years. Um, it like, it makes more sense to me now, but like, I remember that I thought that when, because he had been checking up on my mom all with my mom all these years, I thought that when he knew that I finally saw the light with that friend and it stopped talking to her and not wanting to be friends with her anymore, that he would then, that we could then be friends immediately again after that, because that was like the thing that stopped us from being friends for a while. Um, and I remember that that happened in 2009 and it wasn't until his birthday, which is in February of 2011, like, so like a year and a half later that we actually like start, like, he just invited me to his birthday. It wasn't for an, a year and a half that we actually hung out again in person. And like, I like followed him. I, I added him again on Facebook and I would like comment on his statuses. He would comment on mine. Sometimes we would randomly like go back and like, I would hear nothing from him for months and then he would say something to me. And so, and then we ended up, and, and then when I went to his birthday, we ended up becoming friends again and hanging out again a lot. And so now that I've realized this about him, this stuff makes a lot more sense because when he was going to see my mom, he wasn't doing a thing of like, oh, I want to check in on her to see how she's doing because I want to be friends with her again one day. I think he was doing that as a way to still get like that ego hit of knowing that he was doing better than me and that he, so he is his life, even though he was struggling with things and wasn't going maybe the way that he wanted it to go, he was still, he could still know that he was doing better off than somebody else, somebody else that he had in his life for a long time in like that charity case way that always made him feel better about himself that idealized him that he knew from the beginning he was always doing better than and so him going to talk to my mom and talk to her and see how I'm doing was a way to for him to see and he was always doing better than me during all of those years because my life has been like a disaster for most of the time and so all of like the fact that it took like almost two years for us to like hang out again after I stopped being friends with someone that um, he really didn't like makes a lot more sense because he probably like, because I thought he was doing these things as a way to like, keep the contact up until we could be friends again. I didn't realize that he was doing that just so he could feel like better about how his own life was going. And that's why it took so long for us to meet up because he wasn't doing that as a way to, for us to like build up a friendship again. And so it took a while for him to get to the point where he wanted to see me again and was sure that and thought that it was worth it to try to be friends with me again after not being friends for a long time. And it just, yeah, it just makes a lot of sense. And like, 
it's one of those things that is like sad for me to think it's part of the whole like recovery quote unquote journey is that you that if you do therapy long enough you learn a lot of like you have a lot of empathy for the people that even hurt you in your life because you can just see how they're struggling and it's no fun to see people unhappy even if they are treating you like shit and so when I think of this friend it makes me sad that they never really felt like they could put themselves out there and be friends with people that they actually genuinely liked and instead just chose people that they felt like they could be better than like that makes me sad and it makes me sad to think about them being friends with the friends that we had in common that I haven't spoken to in years because those people are in that same dynamic with him that I was and they don't know it and or even if they do know it they don't care enough to get out of it and or they don't realize it I don't know but either way like that's like a bunch of people that those friendships were all like quite shallow because when nobody is really putting like their whole like emotional side out there there's no real vulnerability or anything like that actually happening even if you were friends for like over 20 years like we were it's very easy to for it to fall apart in no time because you're not act, you don't really talk about anything that matters. You're not really talking about like things that most friends do um, about like big life things because you don't because you don't have like the emotional like availability to even do stuff like that. And so, yeah, it just makes me sad to know that that person has never found has never chosen to be friends with people that he really likes and really cares about because he just takes like the easier way out and yeah it's just sad to think about that like sometimes the stuff that I'm remembering is funny like I remember once like one of the things he used to always say is that he said his name his nickname around all of his friends he had a, a group of friends that he knew that was from like the the gay community all of his gay friends basically and he said that his nickname with all of them was calling like them calling him mama and that it was a joke that he was everyone's mom because he was the one that took care of them all and tried to make sure that they were okay and um and like would try to make sure when they were going out to bars that they weren't getting too drunk and and it was like a whole like long elaborate joke that he would always that he would retell a lot whenever we would hang out and stuff every once in a while that he would talk about how he said that he was all of their mothers and he was adopting them and they were all his their his sons and that he would call them and say like why haven't you called your mother in a while when you when he hasn't heard from them and so the way he talked about it was like everybody knows him as this role everybody knows who he is everyone is friends with him yada 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 and I remember there was a couple times that we would be out with a bunch of the people that he knew in that community and I would call him by his like nickname and they would be like what the fuck is that like who the fuck is mama or like why are you why are you calling him that and I would be like confused because he had always talked about it as if everyone calls him that and everyone has this relationship with him because he takes care of everyone and, you know, everything can't work without him. And so I would get confused when there were people that didn't know him 
or like didn't know him his as a nickname and i remember once like there were so just some people that were at a bar that were friendly that were friends of friends that we were talking to and i said that and i said like his nickname and they were like who the fuck is that what are you talking about i'm so confused and then i like was talking about oh you know um that's so and so that's his nickname and how he calls you and how he calls you all like his sons blah 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 and they were so confused and they were like i've never heard of this before in my life and it just that's like one of those things I think of now of me that was like, like, I was just so confused when that happened. But me looking back at that now, I can see that that's an indication of showing that he made himself sound more important than he actually was. That no, all the people that he knew from the like the gay community where we live didn't see himself in this role that most of them didn't know him that well or didn't know him as a nickname or didn't do any of that stuff in the way that he was acting like he did because he because you know they just that's not how it was and like those were times when I was almost catching him and like making himself sound more important than he actually was and I just didn't realize it at the time because it didn't even occur to me and like it didn't even seem like a possibility to me then that he would lie about something like that it's like so interesting when you think about it but the end part of this that I wanted to talk about before I end this episode is that it's so hard I feel like this is a dynamic that happens a lot when you have people like me that have an abusive childhood and then have somebody like this that especially if they like never really completely leave you as a friend because we just are so I've realized that this is like a pattern that I have, but I feel like this happens with a lot of us that when we're going through a really rough time in our lives, those people become like very important figures in our life because when everything is difficult, everything is painful, everything is hard, the people then in our lives that were like a positive outlet that like made us laugh, that made us feel good, that, um, that like, was something that made us happy to still be alive and gave us like hope that things could work out okay those people become like so important to us because they're like sometimes a lot of times the only things around us that are making us feel that way and they're the only people that are being nice to us even if it's like weird veiled niceness it still is like the only thing we have close to niceness and um and like, so we kind of put them up on this pedestal that they don't necessarily deserve to be on all the time. Beca and we don't, and because we put them up there and from the beginning of our friendship, we feel like they are much better off than we are. And there's a lot of ways where we absolutely know that they are better than we are because we can just compare and contrast our lives that like we don't it takes so long then for us to really look at them and see them clearly for who they are and like this friend is not the only person I've done this with like when I've been talking about this in this episode I'm like I'm pretty sure that I did this with the group of online friends that I had when I that like helped me get into therapy and was there when I was like initially cutting off my mom and was were people that I like put a, so much importance on and 
have gone back and forth a million times about like, should I talk to these people? Should I try to get a friendship with them again? Should I not? Like, I've thought about sending them Christmas cards and then backed out at least seven different times in the last month. <laughs> um, but as I've been saying this about this person, it's also reminding me of them that those people were helped me in a time in my life when I really needed it. And, and like, I looked at them as like my saviors, as my like path to like happiness one day, because they made me laugh and made me feel good when absolutely nothing else made me feel good. Or like, even when nothing made me feel good and I was so depressed, they still like put up with me and would try to, and like thought that there was something about me that was worth like still being around for. Um, but like looking at the, those friendships, it's like, did they really even know me? Because I didn't really know me back then. And also like, were they really as good of friends as I thought they were? Or was I just like wanting to attach this huge importance to people because they happened to be the people around me in a time when I really needed help and support and they were the ones that were there. Like the thing with these friendships is like there were good times. There were times that both all of these people were there for me. There were a lot of memories I can remember that will always make me laugh and make me smile. Um, but that doesn't mean that these are people that I should have in my life anymore, you know? And it, I don't know. I guess I hope this epiphany maybe helps somebody else out there because this like helped me solidify like almost like a final piece of my head about why that friend group was so dysfunctional, why a lot of friendships that I've had were dysfunctional in that way and why it's been like so hard for me to like completely walk away from people because I just were always looking for the explanation of like what really happened because I and not being sure if I should walk away from them or if things may work out one day. But no, it's definitely better off for me and I think for anyone else listening to this to walk away and restart completely new friendships with people who actually like you for you and want to spend time with you for yourself and aren't like using your shitty life and your friendship as a way to distract them from the things in their life that they feel like they're lacking. <laughs>